This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to our podcast family. For those of you not familiar with our format, episode one is our strategy discussion where we talk about list choices and the overall strategy of the list. It's a great primer for getting familiar with a tournament winning list. Today, we're talking with Adam Camilleri uh, to talk about his um, Imperial Soup list. And joining me as always is my co-host, Nick Nadavati, who doesn't really need an introduction, but for those of you who are you know, new or maybe living under a rock, Nick is one of the most accomplished Warhammer players in 40K history. So winning the big, biggest events consistently, including the ITC Overall Championship, LVO, Adepticon, and many other major events. Uh, Nick, why don't you go, go ahead and tell us a little bit about Adam and get us started. Yeah, so I mean, Adam's been a, a longstanding member of the Australian ETC team and a good friend of mine for a few years now. Uh, I just had the pleasure of hanging out with him at Charity Hammer, where we raised over $12,000 for... Uh, Child's Play, a charity for children in hospitals. So that was awesome. And uh, as most things in Australia, they tend to make no sense to us lowly Americans, uh, just like Adam's List. So we're kind of here to talk about that and jump right into this counter meta unorthodox build that Adam's somehow made work and figure out how. Well, let's 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 bring Adam into the conversation. Adam, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, tell the people maybe a little bit about you, and then we'll we'll get right into the list. Hello, everybody. My name is Adam Camilleri. I am one half of Down Under Network and Down Under Pairings. I am, uh, yeah, like I said, I am a two-time ATC player for Australia, and I have been selected to go on the team again. So we'll be, uh, or you know, God willing, a, a three-time Australian ATC player, which is uh, actually pretty good for us because we tend to not be able to afford to go many years in a row. This will be my uh, third consecutive year back to back to back but um we're very much striving to uh outdo what we did this year sorry last year now uh which was coming fourth and we really want to try and get that podium if not that first place so i'm very much pushing in that direction which means um a lot of my lists uh would seem counter meta when played in itc or in um singles formats but uh, they're built with a purpose to, to function in etc environment um, so if any of this stuff sounds completely off the wall, bonkers, and doesn't make any sense, uh, that would usually be why. Now, um, the core concept of my list was to not auto-lose turn one. That is literally, the game is in a place where it's very binary, where going second in a lot of ways, there's a lot of matchups, um, and with the explosive power a lot of lists bring, you need to not be, well, my priority was to not just not have, have a non-game. I always want to have, feel like I'm in a game. And so... I built the core concept around what is a unit that will survive a marine shooting turn one, top of turn one, um, if I'm in the open. And realistically, there was only a couple of, there's only really a couple of units in the whole game that that's a pro, uh, even a possibility. And one of those was I, I came across was Borgen. Now, if I'm um, if I go first, 
Uh, I can buff the Borgen to be minus one to hit, and essentially if they're in cover, they will have a negative one armor save, because I start with a two plus, and then they uh, get plus one from a psychic power, plus one from going to ground, and plus one to co for cover. So even, with, even if they're being shot by a negative three weapon, um, e.g. a raven guard, a raven wing, sorry, not a raven wing, an iron hands flyer, or most of the weapons that a, a repulsor brings, I'm going to get a two plus save. Now, that was the primary concern at the time, because when I wrote this list, um, the repulsor executioners were doing the rounds, as are, of course, the Leviathan Dreads. So having a two plus save against the Leviathan Dread against their 20 shots, really, really, really new does that. But uh, jumping straight from the top, because I did jump the gun a little bit, um, so stopping from the top with my list, this was the list I took to Vic Masters, which was pre-chapter approved. I've got to I put that caveat on here. This was pre-chapter approved. So I, to be honest, this list has only gotten better since then. And um, of course, uh, the gentleman already told me we're going to have a bit of a chat about what would have changed in that time. So the foot, we start off with a Talan Battalion, which is an Empress Fist, because I've got a tank commander with relic, with relic battle cannon, uh, and two... Um, Oh, sorry, no, in this one I had a tank man with a Punisher and he had heavy bolters all around because I was ad flanking in most games. The second one was uh, the Relic Battle Cannon and he had a hull Laz Cannon and two Plasma Cannon sponsors. Then I had three infantry squads, a Astropath, a Minister and Priest, eight Bulgren, all with uh, Mauls, three Brute Shields, five Slab Shields. I had a Militarum Tempestus Battalion. I had the Specialist Psyker to give them plus one to hit, which uh, I guess we'll, we'll deep dive into. A Tempestus Prime with a Command Rod, two full Plasma Bombs, that being 10 guys with four Plasmas and a Plasma Pistol, that times two, and then a uh, five-man with two grenade launchers. Lastly, I had a Dark Angels Battalion. Shock and horror, everybody hold their breath for this. I have Samael on Sableclaw, a Ravenwing Talamaster who I'd buy either the Monster Slayer of Caliban or the Hell Heavenfall Blade. I have tunes of five infiltrators and a unit of scouts with bolters. And that was 2,000 points on the nose. Triple Battalion. Wow, that does not sound like much. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not a little, but that was, that was part of the idea. Keep it lean um, and don't give up many kills. I don't think you took one breath in that entire story I, just <laughs> I literally was just like words coming out of your mouth was it was it, was it legible the people would be like, yeah, I, I, think well, so. I don't know i think so well that's a, that's, a, that's great for a podcast good quality so podcast. For <laughs> all of you all of you patrons that normally listen to us at two times speed to save time maybe don't yeah. do it for this one probably don't do it this time um but i can encapsulate that pretty quickly it's uh three battalions one of them has uh just functions around two talan tank commanders next one is and a big unit of a Borgren. Next is uh, three Simes units that start off the board. And lastly is um, two Talon Masters, which are characters, therefore untargetable, which will hide behind the Bulgren. And, and sometimes even the, um, the tank commanders. And uh, three units that can infiltrate up the board into cover turn one. So the whole concept rings around the fact that uh, if I have any kind of a decent, I just need one, if I have one ruin in my deployment zone and I play it right, the only thing you can shoot on turn one will be the Bulgren. Yeah. So it sounds like you've written an army that's very counter meta. Um, like you identified the problems that Bone Armies face, which is incredible firepower bring brought to you from Marines, and you did something about it, which is awesome. Um, in a way, you're kind of playing a character spam list, but not really, I don't want to call it character spam, but that's basically the function. You have an undamageable core from the Bulgarin, and you have a bunch of HQs doing their, or characters doing their thing. Um, Sammy and the Talon Master are, are really interesting because no one ever really looks at Dark Angels competitively, but they are very fitting for the style you've chosen to go with here. Do you want to talk about uh, what they do for you in this list and how you use them? Yeah, sure. So firstly, um, 
each one of them is essentially, well, I, I like it to them and I explain them to people because a lot of people have asked me about this uh, since I won this. A lot of people have asked, like, what, what are the Talon Masters? Why do they exist? What are they doing? Um, and I liken them to Demon Princes. I liken them to a reverse Demon Prince. So if people think about a Demon Prince, you think about a thing that uh, gets one or two psychic powers off a turn. And they do like, you know, a handful of mortal wounds um, from range. But in combat, they're very explosive, very potent. They do a lot of damage. A Talon Master is a reverse of that. From range, they are very explosive. They do a lot of damage. They, they wear you down. Um, and in combat, they're, they're middling to okay. Um, like Samael, he, is strength, he has six attacks on the charge, thanks to Shock Assault, at strength eight, minus three, two damage. And the other guy, um, depending if he has a Heavenfall or the, relic, or the uh, Monster Slayer of Caliban, he will be strength six with five attacks uh, at uh, minus, uh, sorry, at strength six, yeah, minus three, D3 damage. So they're both reasonable in combat, if not towards the good side, without being exceptional. Um, but from range, each one of them has... Uh, two heavy bolters and two assault cannons. So they're essentially the firepower of two Razorbacks, if that makes sense, or the firepower of a Storm Talon, um, which I think is a, probably a better comparison. Uh, but the, the bonus you get is they're untargetable. So you're, you're leveraging that character keyword, which I know you, you do a lot as well, Nick. So you, you do that a lot in your hands list. You leverage the character Dreadnoughts. This is kind of the, the same concept. So I'm leveraging uh, that, but instead of having the character Dreadnoughts, which uh, essentially are your anti-armor, I've got anti-infantry for that. And the tank commanders take care of the anti-armor element. Interesting. Okay. So you deep strike all your scions as your normal game plan. Yep. You outflank your, your tank commander and you have the rest of your army as characters standing behind these bullpen. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say the only time, but I'll only, I'll only add flank the um, Punisher if I've got nowhere to hide him. If I can hide both tanks, they both start on the board. Just because I this this is it doesn't look like a thirsty list, but once we get into the, into the nitty gritty of it, you guys will see this is a very, very thirsty army for CP. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, although Triple Battalion gets you very far for that, so we'll go into that for sure um, in a little bit. Uh, I'm surprised you don't always outflank your Punisher just because its range sucks. So, uh, well, the range doesn't actually suck. So that's that's that's, that's something I, I used quite viciously in a couple of games. So it's Talan, that battalion, so I can order myself to move an additional six. So I can still move eleven inches and shoot both, or I can move uh, sixteen and still shoot and still shoot twice with the top cannon because I it's in the um, the battalion. Uh, specialist attachment, so I can pay one CP after I move him his full ten inches, and he can then he can still double shoot his top cannon. So essentially, it goes from you thinking it has a twenty-nine inch threat range to having a forty-inch threat range, which is yeah, that's actually very huge. respectable for something that's bringing uh, forty-nine shots to bear. Yeah. Um, now, why did you go for the Punisher? It sounds like you you tailored this list very much to fight Marines, and largely speaking, Marines couldn't care less about a Punisher. It doesn't have any AP. Marines can cover to up save. What's the thought process there? So I tailored the list to not auto-lose turn one against Marines, but I still had to take into account the, the Australian meta, which is very... Uh, Horde is still a very real, very real element. There are still plenty of very top-quality Chaos, Gene Steel Cult, and Tyranny players in Victoria and in Australia. Um, so while I was building to not auto-lose to Marines, I still want to have a game against uh, the prevalent and dominant things in my area. That makes a lot so, of sense. So yeah. this is the Eric Lathuris gaunt effect, right? Is that yes. what we're talking about? Yes, uh, but there's also plenty of other people. So um, Liam Hackett is playing um, Horde Orcs. I've still got Matt Morisoli, who's one of the best Chaos players in the world um, in my region. I also have uh, uh, Lee Abbey, who's a dedicated GSC player at the moment, and we know how much a Punisher is just amazing against them. Like even on the Overwatch, she's hitting on fires with, 40, with uh, just the 29 shots into an Acolyte bomb. You still have a good chance of killing one or two uh, sometimes of those rock saws. But um, 
the reason there is yeah because i had to take into consideration the people are most likely to play if i want to get a podium in australia um if i want to get if you want to get through say um to get to a top table you've got to meta against the, the most powerful things in my opinion which is that being like eldar and, and marines but you still have to take into account the people you're likely to meet when you get there that's why i bought the punisher yeah absolutely that's one of the things that i, I talk about here and there on my coaching on art of war uh if you there's two things you have to take into consideration when you're trying to seriously win a tournament. It's the the meta, as you put it, uh, Space Marines very prevalent as you take into account, and then also certain players that are very likely to win it. So at LVO, for example, if you're seriously trying to win, you probably want to have a plan for me, Richard Siegler, maybe Sean Naden, Andrew Ganyu, those types of top level yeah, exactly players. Right. So you, you want to bring a list that will get you through the middle tables and then still be relevant once you get to the top ones. There's no use getting to the top tables and just falling over on your face. Unless that is your goal. If your goal is just to get to a top table, you just bring the most powerful thing you can and hope you have the hope you run the gauntlet. Um, but yeah, definitely I think I, I did the right way uh, with this. Now, that doesn't translate to anywhere else. Like There's different states in Australia even where um, the Punisher is absolutely the wrong choice. And um, I did change that for the next iteration of this list, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually. Cool. So, um, what do you say, how do you say your army plays in ITC versus ETC? Uh, obviously, it's very denial-based trying to interact with your opponent without getting interacted back with. Uh, in ITC, I imagine that makes it very easy for you to get kill, kill more over your opponent and deny secondaries pretty well. Uh, how does that translate to ETC and how do you use an ITC? So, this uh, is mostly an ETC, sorry, an ITC skewed list but with some uh, decent play in etc still uh it's it functions in a way to try and deny you the middle of the board i don't necessarily need to take it but i'm just trying to stop you from having it um so if i put the bulgrin on the line hopefully they touch taking touch cover and get close to being on the bottom of the line is having the and if i don't i don't feel like i'm threatened by a first turn charge the uh, Sammy and the Talamas will go directly behind the bulgrin about three inches four inches so even if you don't get charged you can't go all the way around them etc um and then I will slowly move the Bulgren up into the middle of the board and I'll just grind out anything you try to put into that range because of the range of Sammy and the Talmaster being uh, 24 on the assault cannons and 36 on the rest. Um, they do have a good chance of any, any small to medium units that you put into the middle of the board will just evaporate. On top of that, I don't think we went into the mechanics of why um, the Bulgren and uh, the Talamasters work so well. Um, do you want me to touch on that now? Yeah, let's go deep dive right into so it. So there's a strategy, there's a formation called the, sorry, specialist attachment, what's the core formations, uh, called the uh, Ravenwing uh, Strike Force or Attack Squadron. And one of the stratagems is there is for one CP, after you've done a wound or something, you get another plus one to hit. And so um, Sammy can shoot first hitting on threes because he moved, rerolling ones, and then give plus one to hit the other guy. So you can hit on threes, uh, rolling ones, because they don't, un unfortunately, they don't ignore the penalty for moving and shooting. Um, but yeah, like, I think a lot of people have played with Sammy and Talon Masters from, from my understanding. A lot of top players have explored it, but that minus one to hit sucks. Uh, it does. It does suck quite a lot, but there are ways to mitigate it. And honestly, even just hitting on fours, rolling ones and twos, because the, one of the great things about the, the, the two of them working together, and usually if I, if I have any choice in the matter, they'll stick together uh, like glue because uh, Sammy gives the Talon Master real ones and twos to hit. And the Talon Master gives Sammy ignores cover and also real wants to wound. So together, they become very efficient as long as they function as like one, a, sing, a single hole. They don't, they yeah, like one unit kind of. Yeah. So if you treat them as one unit, give them the six inches, um, they actually become super efficient. And, and yeah, they, they synergize with each other very well. Very well. And they give, they give each other plus one to hit, which is great. Sometimes I'll even shoot with the Talon Master first and just to proc um, the plus one. So I'll shoot the heavy bolters, hitting on fours, reeling ones and twos, just to proc 
So Sammy hits on twos or rolling ones into something. And I'll now, can you, that, uh, can you fire your heavy bolter and then kill a guy and then split, use the strat and then you fire your salt cannon without the penalty? I don't believe you can. I think they're all allocated at the same time. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't believe you can. I think it's after you've done a wound tool model. And I th- yeah, I was just asking. I had no idea. <laughs> um, if it's after a hit, then you probably could maybe, I think. But if it's after a wound, I don't think you can. I'll have to double check that. I haven't even thought of that one. So there we go. Um, uh, I don't know what the wording is, so don't quote me here. But in 40K, uh, you roll every die one at a time, one technically. Time. Yeah. So maybe you can do like a hit, a wound, a save, a damage. And if you kill the guy, then you can yeah. use it. For- so under that terms, I, w- I would choose just to not use fast dice rolls. And I would roll the right. heavy bolters first. And as soon as the heavy bolter does a wound, I spend the strat. And then the rest of them, we get the plus one to hit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's something worth looking into at least. Yeah, it's, it's very specific on the wording as well. Because it, it, might, it might say after a unit has done a wound. And therefore, the first unit cannot benefit from that. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's after a wound. Is it, might have a, it might have a specific timing as, for using the strat. Instead of saying like any time in the shooting phase, it yeah. might say after a unit has fired or something yeah exactly right uh, which is uh, that, that's one thing that always makes a game very interesting because there's the little nuances new little new nuance differences between one stratagem and another one list and another um but so the second stratagem of that one is uh for two cp after you fight uh either if you if there is nothing within an interview you can move in advance in any direction you like for two cp or if there's something with an interview you can fall back so and these guys move 16 inches base so that lets you essentially, essentially soul burst for two CP. You don't get to shoot or fight, but you do get to move again. So it's a move and soul burst for two CP after you fight. They don't even get to fight you back. The old shining spirio yo trick. That's so good. I don't it's even, so good. I don't even yeah. need to kill a unit. So instead of having to kill a unit to trigger that, it's just two CP instead. Yeah, you can't mess it up. It's just even if you roll really bad in combat, the guy survives. You just yeah. still leave, get out of dodge. It's, it's very good. good. It's very good. So a lot of the time, the way I deny the middle of the board um, is sometimes, I, like I said, I won't take the middle of the board. I'll just be trying to eke out um, the kill mores in ITC uh, while still holding one and getting as many uh, um, eternal, uh, sorry, um, secondaries as I can. With uh, Sammy, Sammy is the one I use this on the most. Um, the Talon Master will sit behind Sammy. Sammy will shoot out, um, and the Talon Master will be, uh, you know, touching the back of the base of a Bulgren. So Sammy will go five inch, um, six, exactly six inches, five point nine inches from him. He will shoot into one unit and kill it. Then he will charge into another unit, kill it, and then fall back back behind the Bulgren. So I've, ex- I've, it's, so there's no overextension. You you, st- you haven't changed the status quo of your movement phase. So you've charged and killed and gotten better line of sight, better ef- ef- efficiency uh, for no loss. So yeah. a, lot, a lot of the time between the two Talon Masters, I'll kill four units in a turn. Um, if you have any, if you have screens, if you have anything like that, anything that's going to get in the way of the Bulgrim, just their slow, slow, slow advance, um, that'll just get eked away by the Talon Masters. Makes perfect sense. So how do you keep your... Uh, other elements alive. I mean, so in the beginning turns, it makes total sense. You just have Talon Masters and Bilgren playing the game by themselves. Um, but then your Lehman Rushes do expose themselves, especially the Punisher only has 24 inch range. Um, while it's a larger threat, because of that trick you showed, you said, described earlier, you're still 24 inches away from the other guy after you're done shooting. How do you keep stuff like that alive? Well, so for three CP, I can infiltrate the um, Punisher. So I can, uh-huh. add, well, sorry, not infiltrate, add flank, apologies. Uh, and I could chuck him on from any board edge. You come on, you know, five point, sorry, 4.9 inches and double shoot from there. Uh, for one, yeah. uh, oh, sorry, I move him on six inches and I have to pay one CP for him to double shoot when he comes on, but he still gets to do it. And that means he still, he will always get to shoot at least once if I need him to. And that's, yeah. that's a huge boon to have. And if you'll notice the, the whole theme of this list is to have stuff that'll always get to be used at least once. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Huge deal in the game at the moment. You have all these, you have all these amazing elements, but if you go second, you can just lose them automatically. Um, the, I do have, I've got a question. Is Talarn the one that allows you to move, shoot, move? So if you have... That's right, baby. We cover, had to get okay. to it. Oh, my um, bad. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Perfect. Perfect segue. Uh, so the, a lot of the time, there'll be, in a, in a lot of games, in a lot of tournament games, in a lot of everything, there will be ruins within about 16 inches of each other. Now, what I'll genuinely do is I'll move the... I'll, if I'm starting on the board, I'll move the Punisher about 10 inches. I'll double shoot with him, and then I'll move him six inches into cover in, into the middle of the board. So I'll scoot him from one uh, last up-locking piece of terrain, shoot him, and then he'll end up in another one. And it, at the very least, if he doesn't end up out of line of sight, he'll end up in cover. And then um, I can cast the negative one power on him or the plus one power on him, and all of a sudden he's very survivable at that point. Uh, but uh, most of the time, if I think he's just going to get picked up, he's just going to shoot once and die, I will outflank him. Because at the very least, then I'll get him into a premium position to start pressuring uh, my opponent. Rather than him just moving out from my back edge and just picking, getting picked up on my back edge. Gotcha. So, um, how do you handle armies that can like kind of outboard control you and out close combat you? Like, uh, let's say the new Chaos Possessed stuff or uh, certain Nidbit lists, which are now more popular. Like Eric runs them in Australia. How do you handle those kinds of things? So. At those, I think I bring myself into, well, usually I will bring myself into 24, something like 24 inches of the possessed with the Borgen in front. I will just park myself literally 24 inches away with the Borgen in front. Because um, the possessed, while quite killy, won't go through the Borgen in one turn, at least, at least by my assumption. Um, some of their new, they might have some new jank that gives them mortal wins on three pluses or something that I don't know of. No, they don't. Exactly right. So they, don't, they probably don't go through the Borgen in one turn. As long as they don't go through the Borgen in one turn, I can just sit 24 inches away and probably take two or three, three of them off a turn. That, by doing that, Sammy hits them on fives if he stands still, because um, they go to negative three, and he'll hit him on fives, and then he'll make the Talonmaster also hit him on fives. And between those guys hitting on fives, re-rolling, and winning him on the threes, re-rolling, I will eventually just wear them down. Um, the MSU style becomes a little bit more problematic. If you have just one big bull unit I can soak all my things into, I tend to be okay, um, because I've got, a, I've got a bull unit plus. Like I think Centurions um, become more of an issue because of their explosive power, but um, Things that are just defensible uh, seem to be the same as me. They're the same as to me, but usually they don't have the range of the weight of firepower. Um, right. Yeah. Well, the one interesting thing about your army is that for most character baseless Eldar or, or otherwise chaos, um, it's you're not really taking damage at range. The, all the characters are getting close combat, and maybe they smite here and there. You actually have real shooting coming from your characters. Yes, yeah, I have. I have, yeah, I have legitimate firepower at, at medium range. Um, yeah. So that's what I mean. I'll, I'll walk to I'll walk to within twenty four inches, and I'll just park there until I have you your chunky or threatening unit low enough that I don't need to worry about it anymore. And that's usually around when they were about half dead. Because usually when those units are half dead, they're not a big enough screen to hide your characters, and people just stop buffing them with everything. They'll give them like one or two buffs and leave them alone. And at that point, yeah. I, I can ignore them now too. Yeah, um, and I was using Possessed as an example. We can talk about the matchups way more in depth in the next oh, episode. Of course. So yeah, it'll work for any, I suppose, big Death Star type unit. On top of that, um, that's where the the signs come in quite clutch. And the signs of this this was I was this list is pre chapter approved. All my scion units, I've, I've, I'm saving sixty five points in this list on scions alone. I think, or maybe it's just yeah. Actually, that's that's something we should definitely talk about. I mean, no one has run scions like years, um, yeah. basically since they got nerfed in the index days. Um, why? So scions uh, take. Um, Take Centurions, both Devastator and Assault Centurions, out of your mind for a moment. Um, and if you take those out of your mind, Scions are really, really, really good. 
<laughs> I know it's a big ask, but what, what do you, I, I don't understand your point here. So, okay, so what do Devastator and Assault Centurions have to do with Scions? Uh, so a Scion wants a Scion unit to get the max efficiency out of a Scion unit. Usually you take it with Plasma. That's, there's no, I don't think there's any argument or debate about that. Um, yeah. And so you can take a 10-man Scion unit with four Plasma guns and a Plasma pistol. Now they only get their bonus of being Scions if you drop within 12 inches. What's the same, what's, what happens at 12 inches? All spec scan. So right. uh, I can drop a unit, those units at 10 Scions within or spec scan range of any unit in uh except for aggressors uh centur and centurions and they i won't lose i usually won't lose a plasma gun yeah and that is you don't, you don't really lose any efficiency here, i don't need any efficiency and i don't care yeah so 10 10 intercept inter intercessors i'm more than happy for you to spend two cp to kill five uh las gunners that i didn't care about anyway yeah uh, and maybe I'll maybe I'll lose one one plasma, but I'll still take that trade because in the next one and possibly Yeah, and two CP is not something marine armies can just spend like that. Exactly right. Because that there's there's two trans sorry, there's transhumans and all the other amazing things gone. So uh, how many points is one of these like ten men with, with max plasma loadouts? It used to be hundred and forty nine, now it's hundred and nineteen. So it's wow. under hundred that's a big drop. It's a big um, drop. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, and even you were still taking them at one forty nine or whatever. Exactly so right. I took a one forty nine and they're actually pretty good. What did you use them for and like what kind of like, you know, they deep strike, they shoot plasma. A lot of armies couldn't care less about deep striking shooting plasma. Marines right. not being one of them, of course, but, you know, a lot of armies couldn't care less. And there are still 150 points for 10 guardsmen. Like, let's not beat around the bush here. Exactly right. So they do, so each, each squad brings eight plasma shots that explode on sixes into extra shots. Now, with the Tempesta Prime, in games where the signs were going to be clutch, I was buying the... Um, I think it's, it's the lowest order command or the order requely relic, which lets me give another relic, another order on a full pass. So issue one order, and then on a full pass, I can issue another order to the same squad. So I would uh, deep strike the two plasma bombs down with him, sometimes with the grenade, the little grenade guys as well. And I'd have, essentially, I'd have uh, 18 plasma shots, all hitting on threes, re-rolling once, and then on a four plus, they'll either be re-rolling once to wound as well, or they'll be re-rolling to, to wound against vehicles or monsters, depending on what I was going for. And that becomes really efficient. And then um, they explode on sixes, so 18 of those, essentially you'll get three more shots on average, and um, those will translate usually into two more hits. Can you, uh, is, there, is there a plus one to hit power you can give them? That's the next level. The next layer to this is the, the new primary psyker that came out with one of the Blackstone Fortresses, um, Ariella Medellin. Um, she comes with a psychic power that is an eight to cast. So it is- Is she, is she in your list? She is in my list. Okay. Um, she was, she was a little erroneous at, um, at that eight to cast is, is a bit of a bother because she comes stock with that and smite. So she can't save anything else, but she's five points cheaper than a regular primary psyker. And she comes with a plus one to hit power. So that's pretty much gravy. Um, and so on an eight to cast, she will give plus one to hit to one of those, those, um, cyan bombs and they'll explode their hits on a five plus and can't overheat. So no, it's not unmodified either. That's really neat. Yeah. They'll be hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, exploding on fives, hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, and then either re-rolling to wound or rolling ones to wound if I get a four plus off. So all of a sudden that squad becomes really 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 clutch now the way they work together is uh against um against uh marine a marine player that i played against he had a deradio dread he was giving five plus he had the anvilus given the five plus um uh ward safe invulnerable safe and then he had uh two redemptor dreads and one of those had an ironstone on it so i dropped down and i did i targeted the ironstone guy uh so no, I targeted the other one, the one that didn't have the ironstone, to get him to prop the half damage, and then I used the um, the one that had that hit on fives and rolled ones to kill the Der the Deradeo to take away the five plus feel no pain. Sorry, not invulnerable save. You know what I mean, the good one. And so I took away that. 
And so I can do a little bait and switch with that because they're both potent enough that you do need to pop your defensive strats on either either of them. Um, but the fact is that I forced that choice and that, that felt pretty good. That might not happen all the time, but that is one good use I had for them. Now, as soon as you get that unit to, with the nine plasma shots hitting on twos, we're rolling, exploding on fives, all of a sudden you're pretty much always going to get about 12 hits out of them. And 12 plasma shots is nothing to sneeze at, especially when they're probably going to be reeling to wound against a vehicle. That will pick up just, just about any vehicle in the game. Now, the reason I took that is because that is a very good unit at picking up um, two whirlwinds or picking up one and most of another one. That was a very big reason I wanted that in there. It's also a decent unit at killing three quarters of a, of a um, repulsor um, without an iron stone, or even just piling on the damage in conjunction with everything I've got and shooting through an iron stone. So even when they go down to one damage, I'm still on average going to be getting about 20, maybe 21 shots um, out of the two squads. And if even if half of those wound and half of those go through, I still mostly killed a Redemptor or a Leviathan. Okay, Adam. Don't can you, I, uh, aren't I'm you strength sorry. seven? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you strength eight for plasma. Strength eight, yeah. Yeah, okay. And strength eight rerolls to wound against toughness eight is still pretty good. On yeah. Top of, on top of that, the rerolls to wound against vehicles um, is just really clutch. It's it's really, really, really clutch. Yeah, I mean, four plus is what, 75% ruin rate? It's pretty good. Yeah. So um, I'm just thinking about how your list plays on the table, and I'm just going to make a few statements you tell me if i'm starting to get it because when i looked at it i didn't get it i'll be honest i was like this looks like a pile of trash to me but, <laughs> literally, um, i just want to say that is what everyone thought uh, yeah was, yeah and i that was worth that was worth like six or seven points a game just based on the the, the knowledge disparity right right because eventually people figure it out but it's probably at that point too late they don't make good decisions against it right um, but so what it looks like to me is you're playing a very denial based game, which everybody can see you're no deploying a lot of your stuff and then you're forcing people to shoot at the things you want them to shoot. Okay. I got all that. That's cool. But what you're also doing is you are dropping absolute haymakers on people out mm -hmm. of the blue, right? Like you, you bring in those scions and they're, they're a fire and forget weapon. Like they are instantly going to die after they come down. I'm pretty sure they probably never lived past a turn. Um, but you're you're just literally so what you're doing is you're you're soaking the the early turns of the game you're sort of playing this cat and mouse game where you're sort of getting a little bit ahead of of person and then from that point you're you're switching into a peace trading mode where you're like fine i'm going to drop this 130 points 150 points whatever it is of scions and i'm going to remove something i'm going to trade it for something that is more expensive right so you're just sandpapering people with the uh, the talon masters and the Bulgrin and you know you're able to like remove things here and there and sort of gaining incremental advantages and then you're trading these cheap scion units for more expensive stuff that also hits hard and so you're kind of like snowballing your way to a victory sort of piecemeal across the game does that make sense that's a very good way of looking at it um and just to reiterate that, I'll, I'll usually um, eat away a lot of your board control with the Talon Masters. That's pretty much their job. I'll eat away your mid-board mid -board control, and then the signs will drop and kill a key threat. And if you've lost all your mid-board control and most of your key threats, you've probably won well, one of your big key threats. Usually you've lost the game, um, especially in ITC. If you, if you can't control, if I can control three or four objectives, um, the game's over. And if, if, even if I can control two and you can't take them off me and then you can only control one because I've kill, I keep continually killing you off one you're walking onto, um, that's as good as a win. So um, what was I going to say? <sighs> you're very, very astute. That was a very good synopsis, John. I, I think that's almost nail on the head perfect. Um, the other thing that the Scions do is, is they work in conjunction with the uh, infiltrators and the scouts to give me a forward uh, movement, so a forward screen, I guess, to hide the talent masters behind if I need to get super aggressive with them. And so on turn two, I can move advance 
um, two units of infiltrators who will drop smoke bombs and a unit of scouts, and then I will literally drop all the scions in front of them. So that'll be 25 wounds of scions and 25 wounds of, um, sorry, yeah, 25 wounds of marines. And then I'll put both Talonmasters behind them. And that will only usually happen if I um, need to keep the Bulgren uh, back with the uh, Tank commanders, when you've, if you've got something in to come tag them or mess them up or you know stop them, and so that that gives me a second kind of screen body um, that is hard to post. Firstly, it, it does its own damage by itself because of course I've got the plasmas already told you about. But secondly, I'll do that in a little bit of a concave. So I'll do the um, that little three. There's a there's a three inch barrier I like to call the three inch golden zone, which is from nine inches to twelve inches, where every most most infantry want to live at that range to do their best damage, even if you don't want to be that close to your opponent. But when you're dropping talent masters who are legitimately good at combat um, into that distance, um, and, and then dropping all this infantry around them, they become very hard to engage for a lot of armies. So if I'm putting twenty five, um, sorry, twenty five uh, scions. In, at, at the nine inch line and then moving up to um Talamaster and sammy behind them and then encasing the back of it with two units of um infiltrators and a unit of scouts that all of a sudden becomes it's become it's not it's not a super hard nut to crack but it becomes quite threatening especially if i've left the bulgrim back it means you've got big stuff like a centurion bomb or something big coming in from reserve all of a sudden you've now got this issue you've got these two nuggets you need to take care of you've got these two things you need to neutralize do you can you do both some some armies can some armies can't yeah, I think another thing that we kind of glossed over here is how good your army is at board control secondaries because you can deep strike all over the table at flank wherever you want. Your characters are fast when they want to be and your Bulgren don't die. You can very reasonably just do recon, engineers, mm. and like those kinds of secondaries very well. Is that something you generally go for? Yep, absolutely it is. Um, I will go recon at any any. Sorry, I will go recon pretty much every game. I'll go engineers pretty much every game. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I will engineers the Bulgren, um, just to make you want to come towards them. If I think you're more more than likely going to sit back and play a similar game to me, um, I'll walk the Bulgren up into the middle of the board and I'll just let them sit there and just be a very tempting target for you to come and try and tap. And of course, if you're tapping them, you're you're stopping me getting engineers, but you're trading kills, and so it still becomes an okay trade for me. Um, especially okay, you're still I'm, making up the points i'm still making up the points and most likely i'm not losing anything because you're not you're not you're not killing you're not taking anything away from me you're only giving up resources yourself um the i think the optimum idea is to um, have two secondaries that you don't need to kill anything to do and then a secondary of choice that um either if you have let's say you play um smashy characters you take headhunter so you're it's a detriment for you to try and throw just suicide characters against me um you always leave that last last one as a kind of an x factor i think that's i think that's actually just a, a good sound way to build itc lists is to always have at least two secondaries in mind that you'll always be able to choose even in, in good matchups bad matchups fair weather bad weather you always have at least two secondaries you can get th at least three points out of yeah uh, and if you're I would say if your army can't accomplish those secondaries, it needs to deny every secondary. Exactly. That's exactly what I was about to say. And um, there's three tiers of denial. Um, I, I'm a, I love denial. Denial is my jam. There's three levels of denial. The best level of denial is just not have the unit on the board. But if the unit's not on the board, it's not actively contributing to your army um, and your, your damage, your, your board control. But it's safe. It's as safe as it's ever going to be because it's not on the board. It can't be shot. can't be interacted with. The second one is to not be able to be shot. 
e.g. Uh, line of sight, uh, things that shoot from out of line of sight, or what I've tried to do, um, which is uh, I've caught boot scooting. Like you move out your six, you shoot the tank commanders, you move your six back in. They're not quite line of sight blocking, line of sight shooting because they can't shoot out of line of, in, into things that you can't see, but they can't be shot in return. So they become super safe. That's the third tier. The second tier, of course, is things like Basilisk, Wivens, Thunderfires. So you can shoot without moving, without interacting, doing anything like that. And then the, the fourth layer is, which can sometimes be the best one, is the character rule, untargetable. Um, the difference between that and the others is because usually uh, that unit will be something that um, can get charged, can get wrapped, can get tapped, can get all sorts of other things. Um, so I'm leveraging leaving things off the board. I'm leveraging uh, being able to move, shoot, move things. I'm leveraging the, and I'm leveraging the character rule. So I'm trying to le leverage three layers of denial at the same time. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, that's really what it takes to make a denial army. But yeah, go ahead, John. Oh, I was just going to ask. So the, the second part of being a denial army is denying secondaries. And it looks to me like you make it very difficult for people to get board control secondaries um, because they have you're, you're fast enough and can exist in enough places and have enough range to where you can punish punish people trying to do recon or trying to stand in the middle of the board. The other thing is like there's not a lot of great killy secondaries they can take against you, right? Well, a lot of people will get into the get into the trap against me of taking either Butcher's Bill or Gangbusters. Now, the full, the max unit of Bulgren will give up Gangbusters. I did not give up Gangbusters once. I think I gave up three points of Gangbusters, which was the most I ever gave up with this list. Um, because as soon as they, get, it's it's unless you're charging me with sometimes even multiple units, huge smashing units like Centurions, you're not going to pick up both units of Bulgren. I usually keep my Bulgren in a line at all times so that um, if you do punch them with something that's going to pick up six of them, I'll pull myself out of range that your, your next activation won't make you into a hit them again. Um, I'll keep them quite well spaced out. Um, and that, I suppose we can go deeper into that um, later. But um, keeping there is a lot of detriments to offensively keeping a unit in a long line um, and, and especially a big chunky unit with like 50 mil, 60 mil bases, keeping them in a like in a U, U shape around my Talamasters is a detriment if you want those Borgen to do damage because if you do a charge, you're probably going to get two or three, maybe four of them in. But defensively, when you get charged by big bully units, you can easily pick yourself out of combat. You can easily uh, pick yourself out of range for a second round of attacks and you can create holes if you want um, so that the Talamasters can um, get in easily next turn and still not be the closest target if they evaporate you. Oh, sorry, if you evaporate them. So um, I don't want to get too deep into uh, the uh, match specifics, but what happens if you run into someone with really powerful indirect fire options like Imperial Fists or really good character sniping options like Raven Guard or Chaos Psychic Spam where they can just kill Sammy or the Talmaster with psychic powers or sniper rifles or anything like that? Your denial doesn't matter to them how do you cope with that and look that's a that's a very real real um threat and a very real facet of the game it's very hard to make a denial list that is completely watertight or completely airtight there's always going to be a couple of a couple of gaps a couple of issues um one of the one of the best stratagems that i found because uh, i did play chaos a couple of times was the the five plus um feel no pain strat for against mortal wounds uh, on vehicle yeah, for a vehicle yeah. for a vehicle and the, the telemaster is a land speeder so they are vehicles so uh, functionally against um, mortal wounds they'll have a function of eight wounds because they'll have six and then the five ups essentially have a function of you should make two of them so um doing six mortal wounds is quite easy for a lot of um chaos uh units a lot of chaos armies doing eight wounds is actually it can be a little bit of a struggle sometimes especially when i've got two psychers of my own to try and deny yours um so I'll usually wait for the, the fives and sixes on the smites and try and stop those ones, and then I'll let the, the nine, eight, nines, and tens go through. Um, the, but, the, but most of the smites uh, will go, be going into Bulgan, 
most of the smites won't make it to the Talamasters, but it's the direct the direct damage ones, things like um, Zinja's Firestorms, things like um, Bolt of Change, Doom Bolt, things like that. Um, you, technically, you probably won't lose them in one round. Onto the sniper, the sniper way, um, I actually, the big worry is the snipers. Eliminators are actually quite good with the plus one to wound uh, at killing the Talon Masters because uh, having two shots hitting on twos, probably rerolls and all that stuff. I, that, I actually just have to hide them. I can't leave them in the open. Sniper, sniping is like the kind of the downside of this list. Um, but I found that uh, I can now range the snipers by sitting outside 36 because pretty much every sniper bar, I think the, the Admec one is 36 inches. Yeah, generally. I think the Admex is the Admex forty eight. I think the Admex also it might be it might be it might actually be sixty. Yeah, it might be something ridiculous. But I know I know I think it's longer than thirty six. But I can outrange them, um, and then I I just leave them there and let the Borgen work up um, close enough, and then I usually will then scoot up the Talamasters behind, and then when they scoot up, that'll be them scooting up to get into range to kill the snipers, and then I'll with Ignore's cover. Um, on the Talamaster and Sammy, they kill Eliminators very, very efficiently because they get a four-up save instead of their one-up or two-up. Um, so that, that's usually how I played that. I only had to, I've only played that uh, once, so and that, that is exactly how it went. And I went, it, it played like a fiddle there. It worked really well. Yeah. So another question here. Um, this is more just an observation. When I write lists for people as part of my Art of War service thing. Um, if they want me to write a list for like Space Wolves or Dark Angels or whatever these, I'll say underpowered armies are at the moment, um, which is basically what you, you're taking is a smorgasbord of underpowered armies. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I generally do go with the denial style because from a conceptual standpoint, the reason your army's underpowered is because they're not as powerful as the other armies. That's kind of by definition. Yeah. So you can't beat them on a toe-to-toe fight where no. my guns shoot your guns, my combat punches your combat, that kind of thing. So you need to get creative with your, your thinking here, which generally leads to denial. Do you think denial as a concept is actually strong enough to really win major GTs and stuff? Obviously, you've had success with it, but do you think that's more people don't really know what your army does, or do you think like, you know, if this becomes a mainstay style of playing, that it's actually consistent enough to do well. So the problem with not denial is, is that power lists can generally um, can generally meta you out because only, there's only certain uh, certain units that you can use against this. So one one of the things that uh, would be a real worry for my list would be something like Harlequins, um, the deep striking haywire that I would have a big problem trying to zone out because if I try and zone you out, you just charge and wrap instead. Um, so things like that become a big issue, uh, but naturally, like the, the things that tend to meta this list out are off meta themselves. But um, the things that are, all you can do with denial is because you're absolutely, absolutely right. Um, there's no reason, there's no huge reason to play a denial-based power list. Like it's, there's, you're doing, you're going against the grain there. There's no real benefits to it. But if you're playing off meta, you have to play something. Um, and you have to play jank because if you're playing off meta, that means in a straight fight in an open field, you're going to get smashed nine times, if not nine and a half, ten times out of ten. So if you're going to go off meta, you're absolutely right. You have to go denial, and that is, you have to leverage off meta things, things that people don't know, things that people don't realize, things that people don't conceptualize when they're building their list. And I think that's exactly why this list was successful. Um, I have run this. I had run this list uh, two more times, two more iterations of it. Ideally, it, it wasn't a list that I think were as good as this. Um, because this one, I think, hit the nail on the head perfectly for its time and when I bought it and how off-meta it was 
Um, I did take this list again and people had full knowledge of what it could do and it wasn't as successful. It straight up wasn't. It still performed exceptionally well for what it is, like ridiculously well for what it is. For being Dark Angels and Guard it, and Scions, it performed out of its skin and I think it will every time. The problem is though, the wins get smaller. Um, yeah. A smaller. Would you say there's still very consistent wins? It is just smaller. Yep, it is consistent wins, but people are able to um, like people know that I'm going to eat the middle board. Anything you put into the midboard will get eaten by the talent masters. There's, there's no ifs and buts about it. There's nothing that they can put into the middle board that they're not going to either. They're not going to kill in two turns. Um, even centurions in two turns will will most likely go down. And on top of that, you'll be spending a hell of a lot of CP to try and stop me, and I'm still probably going to get them. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so once that knowledge is there, usually people start they start spreading to the flanks instead of coming right up the middle at me. Because people just look at an underpower list and you think, yeah, I'm just going to haymaker punch it in the face and it's going to fall over. That's not, how you, that's not how you deal with my list. You have to just play just as cagey as me. But if you play ca very cagey, very defensive against me and you're a much more powerful army, you're, where it's all of a sudden game on. It's a very, very, very even game at that point. Um, naturally, uh, playing off-meta stuff, you do have to be confident going in. You have to be confident with your list. You have to be confident with your mechanics because every little thing could be catastrophic. Every little mistake, yeah. every missed opportunity. Yeah, you're, you're basically playing 40k on hard mode. You are. Which can be yeah. very rewarding and there's a lot of reasons to do it, but also go in with full knowledge of what you're doing here. Don't lie to yourself. Exactly right. Well, and you need to act as if you're going to outplay your opponent. You might not, but you need to act as if you have to. Well, let's, let's talk about that for just a second. I'm going to sidetrack us just a little bit. So there's this concept in Magic the Gathering um, which has kind of gone away in recent years, but it used to be back when I used to play a lot where you would play a rogue deck for the advantage that it gives you and that your opponent doesn't know what's going on, right? Um, and so there's there's a big advantage to people not knowing what your list is designed to do or not understanding it at first glance. And it's it's kind of hard to see. Like, it's not obvious, <laughs> at least not to me being a newer player, it wasn't obvious to me what the list did. Now that I understand it, I know how to how I would attack it, right? How I would play against it. But the first time I sit down across from it, and I've never seen it played before, it's not like taking over the meta. I haven't put one second of thought into this matchup. Um, you're going to have an advantage in, even against a good player, you're going to get small advantages at the edges, right? Because they're going to make micro mistakes. Yeah, they're, they're playing on the fly, and you're you've presumably done your homework on the medalist at right. least. So that's that's where you can make up some of the disparity in raw power of the list, right? Mathematically, it doesn't kill as much stuff as a marine list. It just doesn't because you don't have doctrines. Ta-da! Look what I figured out. Um, <clears throat> but. Um, it, I think it's sometimes worth exploring lists like this because, number one, it allows you to exercise your 40K muscles in a way that will allow you to grow, which is good. Um, and it also, like, it's a heck of a lot of fun beating with people so, with something that, for at least for me, it's very rewarding to beat, beat people with something that they have no respect for. Yeah, it's a very rewarding way to play 40K. Being a space marine list with this list is, uh, and I did, I've, I've done so, um, I think, four times. Uh, is one of the most satisfying experiences I've had in, in 8th edition. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Beating Yanari is the next one under. Beating Yanari with, with silly stuff that they respect is, was the best, the next best one. Um, yeah. That's just been superseded, guys, because, yeah, we know Space Marines are king. Now, um, Denial is... Yeah, Denial is only good when um, the defensive mechanics you built in work. So um, there, the, this list came into 
a few problems. Which I oh, sorry, we'll leave that for we'll leave that for round two, guys, because um, there's a few um, of the, the the worst Space Marine builds actually give this this list the the bigger problems. Um, very funny. Uh, well, we'll definitely have to break into that on the second half, like you just said. Yeah. So, all right, uh, let's, are, there, let's yeah, pop, are there any questions? I do have a couple more questions. So what yeah, other yeah. things have you considered putting in the list? Like one of the things that occurs to me is that uh, Iron Hands Battalion that you see everybody put in with the character reds could replace the tank commanders potentially as a, yeah. another route to go. Um, and, and just what else have you considered? What other iterations have you made uh, while playing it? I'm well, generally curious. Straight, straight up putting an unkillable Leviathan Dread in place of the Bulgren or in, in addition to the Bulgren. Um, and so then even the Bulgren folds, you've got your Talamaster sitting behind a Dreadnought that's never going to die. That is obviously very, very, very good. That is undeniably probably the best way to play this style of list. Um, the fact is I'm... Um, all my, my, my season, the, the style I'm playing at the moment, I'm, I'm playing things uh, that are going to teach me more. The things that are going to teach me the most, things that are going to get me the best prepared for, for me and my ETC team and uh, our goals is what is my whole direction for the season. So I, even though there are obvious things that are supremely better, and so the advice is for anybody who wants to pick up my style list, um, by all means, plug in um, Nick's patented uh, Redemptor, who's, who's quite cheap. Um, patented. Patented, it's a stamp of approval. You should sell it. You should sell. You should get onto uh, one of those the third party guys and get them to make a, a Nick Nick Nanavati like shoulder pad stamp of approval. Um, yeah. I haven't. Well, I haven't done that yet. That's just a massive mismarketing. Uh, I clearly, I, I need to get on that, John. You're the idea guy. What's going on here? Uh, but yeah, the. So it's putting in something like that. It's just phenomenally good because all of a sudden you're taking the Bulgren can be destroyed. They can be killed. They can be counted. If you have, if you just put something in your list that cannot die, all your problems are solved. Um, and th this list goes from it just goes up exponentially in power I've not done that because I don't think uh, playing with factions that I won't get to use for ATC because naturally as, as Nick knows and maybe many of you don't know ATC you get to use a faction once in your team so there's only going to be one Space Marine player per team per ATC team and, that's yeah, and you're not going to use Space Marines to fill a detachment in a weird list you're going to use Space Marines to smash people exactly the way right. that people are going to be wielding Space Marine like sledgehammers they're not going to let me take uh, some little pinch hitting Raven Guard stuff because I like the jank. Um, the other way to play this is and to replace things is to take uh, more and more infiltrating units. So the other way to do it and to give a lot more freedom to the Raven Guard um, elements, sorry, Raven Wing, keep doing that, um, is to uh, a lot more infiltrators. So if I have, if I just have one scout infiltrated behind a ruin, you can't shoot them. You can't shoot those two powerful. Um, fantastically flexible units and if I was to take let's say five units of infiltrators for whatever reason or incursors something cheaper um, and just spread them out into five different ruins across the board all of a sudden my my plays explode exponentially like defensively I still retain my denial elements um, I do get more exposed to things like basilisks things like wivens things like thunderfires and whirlwinds but the range of flexibility in the board control explode but then I'm not going from a, a list that's starting defensively I'm going from a list that's starting offensively and that's that's not how i prefer to do things i like to start defensively i think defensive 40k is winning 40k i think defensive 40k and playing conservatively and going for smaller wins rather than going for haymakers and throw and throwing for the fences is um is the way you'll get more consistent wins i could not agree more i think i say that literally every single day of my life somebody <laughs> yeah <laughs> And yeah, he, he passed me and he messaged me then. He said, Adam, I need someone else to say this line. They don't believe me. <laughs> uh, no. like, they're going to get tired if I say it on yeah, the podcast. Every episode. Episode. You have to yeah. say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, defensive 40K is the way to go. So I, I always try and build a defensive list or a list that can play defensive. Um, 
uh, as primarily plays defensive and then can play offensively if it needs to. Um, I think that's always the best way to start, especially especially in ITC. ITC... um, is all about risk management. You can run it if you manage your risks well, and you, you don't take many. Um, you tend to get big, bigger scores anyway. Um, the way, other ways I'd improve this list, I think the scions no longer serve their purpose in this current meta. So they've actually been replaced by more hardy, more killer units. Things like uh, let me get this straight: your scions got a huge points reduction. And you're yep. like not like you guys. Yep. They, uh, the problem is though the prevalence of things that um, they are non-functional against. So I I. I brought them in because I um, there was a few gentlemen running um, Imperial Fists with like 60 intercessors. Yeah, that's uh, a real army. Ions really kill intercessors very well. They do kill intercessors very well. And that's what, that's what they're there for. They were there to clean up intercessors. They were there to clean up infiltrators um, if needs be. Even from 12 inches away, they, a unit of them will still most likely kill um, a unit of infiltrators, if not leave them on one or maybe two guys left at, at worst. Um, so that's what they were there for. Those, those lists... Um, are still around, but the thing is, they're not impure fists anymore. They're iron hands, and iron hands um, don't care about the plasma because all you need to do is make one six on your first dude, and the the um, you predicted um, the math just goes out the window. You, you, you don't do anywhere near enough. Um, on top of that, the, the their targets of opportunity, things like centurions, who they can't actually kill because you have to deep strike outside twelve. Um, and then they transhuman and you do 0% damage. You actually don't even kill one of them. Um, it actually just starts to get really, really bad. So yes, yeah, science totally got a points drop, but the the reasons for taking them almost aren't there at the moment. So, like um, They were there to target things like intercessors, things, uh, these... So one of the, the units I was... Tr- one of the army I was trying to meta against was uh, a gentleman was taking 60... Uh, Imperial Fist Intercessors, because they had all the exploding sixes, exploding whatever, to get all these extra attacks, and they're just killing everything for like a month. And so I tried to take them to get rid of that, because they'll legitimately come down and pick up two squads, like, or, or even pick up or maim two, two ten-mans. Um, and that's, that's, that's quite potent, especially when um, Talonmaster and Sammy are also quite good at doing that, and like the Relic Battle Cannon is fantastic at that. Um, so that was, that was really why I took those. They, with the... A lot of people taking Centurions, a lot of people taking things that can intercept, even Dark Reapers coming back. Um, a lot of the reasons to take them almost aren't there. So I, a lot of the time, I'll, I'll drop them down now. I'll either have to drop them down outside 12 inches uh, so they don't just get auto-destroyed by um, Centurions. And then even if they do send, shoot into those Centurions from 12 inches, if you transhuman, they do one damage and you get a 5-up save and they actually just do nothing. So it actually becomes really, really, really negative. On top of that, things like... Um, uh, lightning fast reflexes, of course, uh, negates the plus one. That plus one um, is essentially very unreliable to get off. Like even with a CP reroll, trying to get an eight isn't always guaranteed. It by no means guaranteed. And so a lot of the time, um, when I exposed that unit of scions, I'm, I'm knowingly giving up three kills unless they absolutely waste what they are killing. Um, their damage output is significant, uh, but a lot of the time, five intercessors. If you if you kill, if you've got twenty intercessors in a blob and especially if they're iron hands like oh, if there are iron hands i can't even go in i can't even use the scions i deep strike them down i shoot into them i leave like five guys left and those five guys pick up pretty much every sign i got um so the the disparity in damage and disparity in uh re- reliability is absolutely still there and for their points they're still fantastic and i would still advocate giving them a try in your meta but um in my one yeah they've just uh they've fallen off a bit in power yeah, it makes total sense. So uh, what are you thinking of replacing them with? Um, I would very, very, very much like to replace them with another hardy unit to um, 
go with the Bulgren. I've, I've been looking into breaches with Admech at the moment. I've been doing a lot of, a lot of experimenting with breaches. So what I like about breaches is they're 30 points. There are 30 points for three toughness five wounds. So it's 10 points a wound at toughness five with a three plus save, six plus um, involved. Stiggy's their minus one to hit. You can give them cover in the open with Shroud Psalm. You can pay a CP with a specialist attachment to give them better involved, a better save. You can revive them. There's just a lot of layers there to that unit. Um, and that has really excited me. So them running alongside um, them running alongside the Bulgren, um, because as Stiggy's, you can pay one CP and scout move them at the start of the game. And then all of a sudden, that forward element is already there, already established, even before the game's even started. Ergo, the same as the Infiltrator, same as the Scouts. Um, so I can still have my Infiltrator, still have my Scouts, and but they, they can be my objective holds. They can be my Engineers now. They can be all sorts of other things um, and really freeze them up. So first turn, I start with... Um, uh, two concaves now. I can split up my, I can split up Sammy and Talamaster if I need to, or I can just leave the Bulgren at home as engineers, um, being the bodyguards for the tank commanders. Then I can scout up the, I scout up, scout move nine inches with the um, the breaches and fully in, use them to encase the um, Talonmasters. And then I've got this very real threat with with they've got a, they've essentially got a, a strength times two minus one d three damage three attacks or sometimes four attacks each from a unit of ten breaches forty attacks at you know very high strength. D3 damage, it's legit. Like it's very hard to engage, especially when they're protecting um, two essentially demon princes. So that's another way I've I've gone with this list, and that list has proved to be quite um, quite potent when used in tandem with that. When I split it up too much, because I've I tried a few variations where I dropped the Bulgren for the breaches because they're just they're kind of more point efficient per wound because they actually have shooting, um, but they're they're not as durable, they're not as survivable. Um, so there is a few there's a few different ways this list can go, a few different evolutions of it. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, so we can definitely go into more details on different variations, which might help your matchups uh, in the next uh, episode. John, is there anything else you wanted to ask about for this one? Uh, no, I think what I'll just say is, you know, okay, guys, th let's go ahead and wrap up uh, part one strategy here, um, which I think is kind of a shame because we're just getting going. Uh, <laughs> patrons, we look forward to having you join us for part two, uh, where Adam will break down like how he uses this complete pile of jank to compete with heavy hitters like Iron Hands or Imperial Fists. Um, and if you haven't joined our Patreon yet, uh, we'd hate for you to miss out on that because it's going to be an awesome discussion. It's just $6 a month. You can find us at AOW40K.com. Uh, and for patrons, uh, part two is ready to download right now. Talk to you in a bit. Hey, everyone. Uh, also have a very special announcement. Uh, Nick and I are going to be giving out of another free uh, another free bit of content. We're going to talk about... Uh, goal setting for the year uh, with the new year coming in uh, one of the things that nick does in, in the coaching service is helps people set realistic goals to help you grow as a player and so he and i are going to have that conversation together we're going to record it and we're going to put it out um how do you get that uh, obviously free content or we just need a small favor from you basically if you go to facebook and leave us a review screenshot your review email us at aow40k at gmail.com with that screenshot we will send you this bonus episode. That's all That's all there is. Easy as that. Yeah, so if you guys are interested in learning about how to set goals, uh, not just like easy to achieve ones or super unrealistic ones like I want to win everything, uh, like goals that will help you get better as a 40K player, uh, we're going to have a really interesting discussion on that. So I definitely re recommend giving us a review if you like us and checking it out. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has
has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40k. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.